two weeks ago, we launched this series called Mood Swingers. And uh, we asked the question two weeks ago, can we control our emotions or are we like animals and are subject to our emotions always controlling us? Well, I'm happy to report, and we taught that day, that actually we can control our emotions, that God's Holy Spirit working through us gives us a spirit of self-control and that despite the fact that we will always have challenging circumstances coming our way on different times in different seasons, that for some obscure reason we will always have a few bozos in our world that will want to cause our emotions to turn south, that even despite that, 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 that we can have joy overflowing and we can control our emotions. Just after teaching that, on that very week, one of our people uh, was in a work uh, meeting setting and, uh, you know, there's always one, you know, work meeting said there's always one. And look, don't be that guy. But there was one, and this one was, mm, and, uh, and, and one of our peeps was in that meeting, and they reported to me the next week, said, I took what you taught on board, that, that actually I can control my emotions. And yes, I still felt frustrated and a bit angry, but normally I would have erupted, and I thought, no, I can control my emotions. And, I, and I'm in charge here, not my emotions. And guess what? It made a difference. Love that. We preach stuff that's helpful, but it's only helpful if you put it into practice. So then last week we asked the question, uh, can we be of good cheer? It's the word that Jesus used to use, the British Jesus. Uh, can we be of good cheer even in a bad situation? Can we have a sunny mood even on a stormy day? And, uh, well, the answer was yes. And if you were here, we had a lot of fun last week. Uh, I couldn't see. Um, I had a wardrobe malfunction in the form of a cracked contact lens. And things got very silly. And the mood swung. It was great. I had no idea what I was meant to preach about. But, hey, no one got hurt. This week, I want to... I want to start with a game. It's a game I like to call, You Might Be Burnt Out If. You might be burnt out if you feel chronic exhaustion. The sort of exhaustion that even a good night's sleep doesn't fix. You might be burnt out if you, let's chuck them up there, uh, Pete. You might be burnt out if you are suffering from a lack of motivation. Stuff you used to get excited about, passionate about, committed to, give yourself for, you just can't get excited about it. Or maybe you're still doing some of the things you used to be excited about, but you're not loving them and loving doing them the way you used to. You might be burnt out if you're constantly feeling frustrated. And uh, not just like occasionally, a, you know, a knucklehead in a, in a business meeting, but, but frustrated about stuff that, that actually you even maybe have a hunch that God might want you to fix, be, 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 be an agent for change, but, but your frustration has taken over. You don't have the energy and you're paralyzed and not doing anything about it. You might be burnt out if you're constantly cynical, always looking for everyone's angle. Life's just one big conspiracy theory. What did they really mean? Why did they really do that? I got given a lot of birthday presents this morning. I wonder what people want. No, I'm not burnt out. I'm not feeling cynical, but you might be. 
Maybe you're underperforming, slipping in areas you used to be strong in. Still got the gift, still got the talent, don't have the mojo. You might be burned out if you're focusing on wrong priorities, things that you know you probably shouldn't really be giving attention to, but you're looking for an escape because the fire in your life's grown dim. Or maybe just constantly discontent, that nothing seems to light your fire anymore. Lisa Geary, author, writing for Forbes.com, defined burnout this way. When the demands placed on you exceed the resources available to you. Now, this is kind of a Western disease, and it's actually somewhat pandemic in our Western society. People living with what I call progressive overload, constantly adding and adding and adding. And unfortunately, in many cases, one day discovering that they're burnt out. The trouble is, with burnout, it's, it's often the result of a, of a slow fade. The experience happens over time. And, and when, you, when you meet someone that's burnt out and you say, you, you, you don't ask the question, when did it happen? Don't ask the question, what thing caused it? it? It's almost never the correct question. The question is, what things caused it? How long has this been growing over time? Burnt out often happens in the form of a slow fade. And I want to just throw out a warning. I'm going to come back to this. But... <laughs> We can actually sometimes end up burnt out because we overdid stuff that was good. We overcooked ourselves for too long a period of time doing actually great things, things that God wired us to be passionate about, things that God called us to get involved in, but slipping towards burnout when we stop doing them according to God's rhythms. And I'll come back to that. Now, there's a caveat. Some of you are not burnt out. Don't confuse burnout with being lazy and apathetic. Because by its very definition, in order to be burnt out, you have to have once been on fire. So I'm going to spend more weeks preaching about being on fire than I am about being burnt out, okay? If anything, I'd rather we have everyone on fire and a few people we're having to help them recover from burnout than everyone on the couch never got lit up in the first place. The singer-songwriter Neil Young famously penned the line, it's better to burn out than to fade away. And uh, I don't agree with either of those ideas because I think there's a third and better option and that is to keep burning. It's not tick the box, there's two to choose from, which one's it going to be, burn out or fade away? No, multiple choice, there's a third one, keep burning. In fact, burn strong and long over a lifetime. I think is how God would have us live. Uh, a few years ago, spending some time with some friends, 
And uh, we'd, we'd first met these friends in a season of ministry in my life where I was a part of the leadership of a large church. I was traveling quite extensively, preaching at, leading in, doing con- consulting with other large churches right around the globe. I'd written, published a couple of books. I was interfacing with some incredible leaders on a global scale. And uh, a few years ago, I uh, caught up with, with these friends, and they knew me from that era, that season. And we have this conversation, and they're, they're asking, how's life now, and how's Elevate, and how's things? And you know, I tell them, yeah, this, that, and the other. And they say, oh, gosh, oh, we remember back when you were at the height of your powers. And I said... I said, you don't say stuff like that to me and get a free kick. I, I said, you're kidding, right? I said, that was just me getting warmed up. I, I ain't at the height of my powers. Today, I'm, I turned 47 years young. I'm, I'm at about a one-third mark in my life. Nearly. That's not funny. Me too. Viagra is just the beginning. The drugs that they're coming out with. No, I'm saying the drugs they're coming out with in the near future. Well, nothing. That's the point. I think we need to have a private sermon later on, just to you and I. I preach, you listen. I said, hide of my powers? No. God's plan for my life, God's plan for your life is to burn strong and long. Paul wrote it this way, that we're to go from glory to glory as Jesus continues to transform us into his image and likeness. The trend is upwards. Hide of my powers. I'll show you my freaking powers. (laughs) See, understand though that burnout... I don't actually want to talk about burnout today because burnout is a symptom that's the result of an underlying cause. So let's talk about the cause today because just addressing symptoms is like yelling at your barbecue because it's not grilling your steak, but you didn't put gas in the gas bottle. So let's talk about the gas bottle today, shall we? The type of burnout that gets the most press, you guys would know this, is schedule overload. Okay, we say yes to everything. We don't say no to enough things. Schedule overload, we get burnt out. And overcommitment becomes a lifestyle. I don't want to teach on that today because there's plenty of material out there and that's not just uh, an issue for followers of Jesus. That's typically an issue for overachievers in the Western society. Um, Today I want to teach on burnout from a different angle. So let me rewind the, the clock. Rewind the clock The people of Israel, God's chosen people, they had been held in captivity in Egypt by by the pharaohs over generations. God had actually set them free. He'd actually got uh, Moses to lead them out of Egypt. So they're in this incredible situation. We're led out of Egypt, actually through the wilderness, this kind of in-between phase, and and led into a, a land of promise, the promised land. The challenge is, though, that being set free is only the beginning of the process. Learning how to live free when all you've understood is slavery and bondage is a whole nother thing. And anyone that's ever been in bondage for anything, which includes you and me, 
It's not just about being set free, it's about learning how to live free. And so we pick up the story at this time where God's starting to teach the people of Israel, now that you've been set free, let's now look at how to live free. What does new life look like? What does the better life look like? What does life in the promised land look like? And one of the things that that God, through Moses, instructed the Israelites to do was to build a temple. Okay, you can pick up the story in Exodus chapter 27. Uh, We're going to pick it up from verse 20, but here's the thing. If you've ever wondered if God's interested in the details, uh, rewind your Bible app to to chapter 25 and 26. The level of detail that God gave them, God would have won the block on week 1, 2, 3, 9, and 10. Okay, because he, God's interested in details. Anyone that's a follower of Jesus, any church would say, oh, it doesn't really matter if you do it good because you're only doing it for Jesus. It's like, are you kidding me? That's the number one most important person to, to do stuff for. And God loves it when we serve him well. I'm going to come back to that. But we pick up the story. Verse 20, God speaking to Moses said, now order the Israelites. Okay, okay, I need to give you a bit more context. I was going to knock something together, like a, like a scale model version, but I have no building skills, so I didn't do that. Um, but here's what happened. The, the overall design, okay, let's, let's make it kind of look and feel like this auditorium, which it, it didn't. But, but the, the, the idea was that there was this place, you know, you'd enter in through the doors to this place, and this is where all the, the, the Israelites would hang out, okay? So you, right? You're the Israelites, you'd, you'd all hang out. And then there was a dude up the front. He was called the priest. And he was the one who was the chosen one, like Neo from the Matrix. And he was, and he was, and what, what would happen behind the priest was a big curtain, right? Behind the curtain was a box. And uh, this is where Indiana Jones got this, the, the thing from. And God lived in that box, okay? But, but God's so holy that, that only the priest was allowed to go behind the curtain and interface with God directly, okay? So, so you weren't, because you're just, you're just people. You're not the priest. So, so you'd have to come to the priest and say, can you ask God this for me? Can you tell God this for me? Can you pass this note to God on my behalf? And then the priest would, would have to go through the curtain and go to the box and say, Psst, God, Sorry to disturb you, but here's a thing from Jared, and, and, and here's a thing from, from, from Stewie, and okay, got it, good, good, and then come back and, and be back, and, and great, okay? That's how it used to happen. Doesn't happen that way anymore, but it used to be that way. So, so that's the, you get the architecture? Okay, good, all right, great. Man, I explain things good. Uh, so, said to Moses, now order the Israelites to bring you pure, clear olive oil, for light, so the lamps can be kept burning. This is the lamps in the whole place in the tent of meeting. That's where you guys are. The area outside the curtain that veils the testimony, God in the box. Aaron and his sons, Aaron was the priest, and his sons will keep this light burning from evening until morning. Now, let me give you some bonus content like I like to do. Note for the record whose job it is to bring the oil. I'll make it easy for you. You're looking to be puzzled. Yours. It's not my job to keep your fire lit. It's your job to keep your fire lit. 
Oh, I left that church because the, the pastor didn't, didn't light my fire. Sounds like a song title, but no, it's, it's not my job. My job is to fan the flame, to direct the flame, to instruct the flame, to, to, to help. You're great, absolutely. But it's not my job to keep the fire going. It's your job. And it's one of the many reasons God wants us to follow Jesus in the context of a church community. Because we actually, even though each of us is responsible for the fuel, together we fan each other's fire. You ever, you ever lit one match? It's like, pfft. But you ever, you know, boy, have you ever held all of the matches in one hand and lit them together? Come on, you know you have. Well, the dudes have. Uh, Fourth of July. Put one candle in the corner. Put 50 candles in a room. You can start to read books. Together, we're brighter. Together, we're stronger. But there's still an individual responsibility to bring the oil. And, and interestingly, it wasn't just any oil. God specifically said, bring pure, clear olive oil. About eight years ago, I was watching Today Tonight. I no longer watch Today Tonight, and <laughs> I highly recommend you channel switch as well. But back then, I was stupid, and I watched Today Tonight. Thankfully, they put one good story on. Um, and it was a story about uh, the global scam in the extra virgin olive oil industry. Uh, the global scam, see, most uh, extra virgin olive oil originates from um, Spain, Greece, and Italy, three of the most corrupt countries on the planet. Greece, Italy, any Spanish willing to own up this morning? Crooks! True story. And, and, and here, okay, okay, you want to know how bad it is? You want to know how bad it is? In Italy, right, the home of the mafia globally, right, in Italy, the olive oil, extra virgin olive oil scam industry, scam, scamming the industry, is the number one most corrupt industry in Italy. That's a very difficult competition to win. Because <laughs> there's a lot of things on the list in Italy. Criminals, all of them. Um, <laughs> notice I'm not picking on the Greeks because there's one. Right. Um, so, and, and what they do, allegedly, <coughs> is... Um, they, they cut it. They, 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 they take the extra virgin olive oil and they cut it. They cut into it non-extra virgin, just olive oil, and or canola oil, and or, even if it is much of the time actually extra virgin olive oil, it may have been sitting around for a couple of years before it hits Woolworth's shelves. All right, you have been warned. You're welcome. And... Uh, and, and the Today Tonight presenter went on to say that in Australia, for, for you to know that it is really extra virgin olive oil, there's actually a certification. Okay, it's a symbol. Have a look for it next time you're in your, your supermarket. It makes a difference. It matters. Not just any oil. Not WOG impersonated oil. Pure, 
clear oil because the light is only as good as the oil that fuels it, right? God wants us to bring oil that'll burn when the sun goes down, oil that'll keep burning when your friends turn on you, oil that'll keep burning when you take a financial hit, oil that'll keep burning when you lose your job, oil that'll keep burning when you're having some relationship challenges, oil that'll keep burning when you're sitting around the table on Christmas Day with the relatives that you only see once a year, which you think is once a year too many times, oil that'll keep burning all night long, bring pure, clear olive oil. Our code as Elevate Church is that we always bring our best. You know why? Because God first brought his best. When God knew that we needed a savior, he didn't send Jesus' cousin. He sent his only son. He sent his best. So as a reflection of that, not to prove ourselves to God because God accepts us as we are, loves us who we are, forgives us when we come to him as we are. But in response to that, we always bring our best. But there's another reason we always bring our best. It's called the honor principle. Let me show you this. This is something that Samuel, God talked to Samuel about. It's a pretty, uh, go to the next one. It's actually a pretty... um, It's actually pretty controversial. God says, I honor those who honor me. In other words, it's not everyone that God honors. And I scorn, those who scorn me, I demean. There's an exclusive club that you and I can be a part of. It's the club that God honors. Who, who wants to be a part of that club? Called the God honors. Sounds pretty good, eh? And the membership price that we pay is first honoring God. Now, this is the reason it's controversial. Because you may think, well, doesn't God love everyone equally? Yeah, he does. This not, that's not the word here. The word here is honor. God loves everyone equally. God will accept everyone the same when we come to him as we are, ask for his forgiveness, absolutely. But as to honor, God honors those who honor him. Now, the great news is it's not a high bar to get over. It's a decision that we always bring our best in the things of God. We always bring pure, clear olive oil. The stuff that's going to burn bright all night long. So here's the thing. In the old part of the Bible, there was a building, and if you wanted to meet with God, you came to the building. And even then, you had to go through a third party, the priest. Jesus came. Now, Jesus came, and and he changed all of that. There was no longer physical space that you could meet with God. Things were now about carrying God's spirit in us. The kingdom of heaven not being a place we visit, but something that we actually take with us everywhere we go. Uh, There was no longer the need for the priest. Jesus was described, described as the high priest. He actually is now between us and God, but he's between us and God and he's God. So he's like not between us and God. (laughs) See what he did there? Amazing. And one day he was sitting, uh, teaching what we now call the Sermon on the Mount. Real clever we are. It's called the Sermon on the Mount because Jesus taught it while sitting on a mountain. Stuff couldn't get any easier. And 
but what's uh, important to understand is when we read the Sermon on the Mount, and, and you might not know it as that, and you might not even be, been around church before, or even if you have, maybe not, not for long. Um, this is where, in, a, just in our modern day uh, lingo, we, we hear things like, blessed are the peacemakers. Not cheesemakers, peacemakers. That's from Jesus saying this thing, blessed are the poor in spirit, said in this, this, this Sermon on the Mount. And what Jesus was doing, see, the Israelites had been set free from Egypt and put in a promised land. They'd been set free, but now had to be taught how to live free. When Jesus came along, they'd set up all these rules. They'd set up this system. The system was broken. We're going to preach about that in a couple of weeks' time. It's launching a series called The Genius of Jesus. The genius of Jesus is he came along and he discovered, or he knew all along, that the system was broken, that rules and regulations and teaching people that you have to get everything sorted, everything right, everything lined up, everything perfect, and then, and only then, and if then, then you can present yourself to God. Fix it all up, then you're worthy to present yourself to God. Jesus came along and said, no, 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 no. That system, it's broken. Anyone notice it don't work? Anyone perfect here? No. Tried? Yes. Failed? Yes. Guess what, guys? Got a better way from you. Uh, for you. I'm going to show you not just how to be set free, but how to live free. And he started teaching them. This is how to live free. Awesome. This... Uh, genius of Jesus is Jesus, his teaching, he didn't come along just to, so we could have a ticket to heaven. He came along to be a teacher for how we can live before we go. Sounded like good news to me. Good job, Ricky. So Jesus, in the teaching, this one message, the Sermon on the Mount, said this, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. Notice that Jesus isn't just interested in us having our soul transformed. He wants our whole body transformed, our mood, our health, everything. If your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, if the light goes out, if the light gets burnt out, if the light experiences a slow fade over time and you wake up one day and you realize that you don't have the motivation, that you are frustrated, if the light within you, you're discontent all the time, you're chronically exhausted, if the light within you is darkness, <laughs> how great is that darkness? And all the people with burnout go, oh, I couldn't really be bothered. But you know it. The darkness is darkness, darkness. But the good news is we are no longer in a tent to meet with God. We are a tent that carries God. In the tabernacle, in the temple, was an external lamp. With Jesus, it's now an internal lamp. The tabernacle was known as a place of promised presence. We are now people of promised presence. God wasn't waiting here on the stage behind a curtain in a box to meet with you. You carried him with you when you turned up. Now, a mistake, and I referred to this a little bit earlier, a mistake that some people make, well, have made is, well, then I don't need to be part of a church because it's just me and Jesus. So, no. First of all, you're going to miss out on the opportunity for other people to fan your flame. 
right? Secondly, it's not just about you. What about the people whose flame you're meant to fan as well? So the thing is, this me and Jesus. Sounds pretty selfish to me. Our relationship with Jesus is personal, but it's not private. It's communal. But the good news is, you bring the oil, you put it in, you get to take it with you. It's not just burning all night, it's burning our entire lives, if we want it to be. In our workplace on a dark day, in our families on a dark day, in our finances on a dark day, the, 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 the oil can burn strong and light, long and strong and produce the right light. This is the second thing. I'm going to land our, our series with this thought. The, the, the light matters. The right light matters. Um, about 12 months ago, you know, it's funny the things that divide our world. You ever thought about it? You know, if you've been tracking social media this week, Starbucks in America released their new seasonal uh, holiday season cups. It was just plain red and, and a bunch of some Christians got upset about that and thankfully someone else posted a meme, Reese has seen it, I've seen it, posted a meme of a little boy in Africa drinking a little bit of water, clean water. He didn't care what, what's, what cup it's in, you know, like, I don't care what cup it's in, just, you know, stuff that people, that divides our world, especially with, with social media and things going viral. About 12 months ago, the entire planet got divided over this one photograph, right? And, you know, I mean, okay, the red cups I don't understand. This I understand. Now, I understand because, uh, okay, because the, the controversy, if you missed it, it's hashtag dressgate if you want to kind of retrace your footsteps. The controversy was, is this dress uh, uh, white with gold hoops or blue with black hoops? Now, okay. Here's a question. How many of you think and what you see is white with gold hoops? Okay, okay, okay. No, no, no. Ah, don't judge them. I'll do that. How many of you are wrong and see blue with black hoops? You're kidding me, right? You're kidding. Caleb, Caleb had 10 of his friends defriend him on Facebook over this back in the day. So look, but, but, but check this out, right? Next slide. Look. It's oh, interesting. Lighting. How we see things isn't always a function of what they are, but they're often a function of the light projecting onto them that causes us to say, aha, uh-huh. That's what's really going on here. Now, I want to put this controversy globally to rest. It's what I do. Okay? No more talk here. Anywhere. Dressgate is over because here's the dress on the right on Amazon. And even I, who thinks the one on the left is white with gold hoops, is willing to concede that the one on the right is blue. With, with black hoops or something. I, I've, I, that dress is on Amazon. I don't know if it's the one the girl was wearing. But anyway, preacher's license. So a mistake that we make, a mistake that we can make is, is we, can, we can often think that if God starts to overlook us, our light will go out.
First of all, God will never overlook us. His promise to us is he will never leave us or forsake us. So we can just erase that as, as a possibility. God overlooking us and our light eventually going out because he's not giving us the attention that we think he ought to. The truth is that if we let our lamp go out, we start to overlook God. If we let our lamp go out, we no longer have access to the right light. The sort of light that when a difficult circumstance comes our way, we can actually see it with the same lens that God's looking on it as. It starts to make a lot more sense in the light of eternity. We might not still like it, but we better understand it. We never understand it perfectly, but understand it better in the right light. Stretch, being stretched, if the light goes out, being stretched often feels like being punished. We taught just a few weeks ago that God's real big on the stretch, but he's big on the stretch because he wants us to get stronger. If we don't go the stretch, we'll never experience the strength. And so I want to push back on this Forbes definition. She'd said that that burnout happens when the demands placed on us exceed the resources available to us. I want to push back. I, I want to ask the question and maybe frame it a bit differently. Is it possible that with the right fuel, pure, clear oil, burning, producing the right light, that we actually have access to unlimited resources. If God himself is our source, do we have access to unlimited resources or are we people that will cyclically, just naturally, go through burnout because we've churned through our resources? I'm pretty sure, and I want to put it to you guys today, that we have access to unlimited resources in Jesus. God ain't running out anytime soon. So why is it then that some people, even followers of Jesus, still experience burnout if we've got access to unlimited resources? The key is this, I-M-H-O, in my humble opinion. It requires us living according to God's rhythms. Not everything you've said yes to, God asks you to, asked you to do in the first place. For some of you, your, 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 your lamp got lit by something. And God wired you up to be lit up about that. And you came and brought the oil, the pure, clear oil, lots of it. But you started doing it in your own strength. You started doing it in a way that God didn't call you to do it. He, he called you to do the thing, but not that way. And because of that, your outflow is greater than your inflow. You can't keep up the oil supply. Now again, I'm not talking about laziness and apathy. I'm talking about living life according to God's rhythms. Saying yes to the things that he's called us to do and, and, and letting go of the things he hasn't. Knowing he'll find someone. Getting in our lane. Progressing at the speed that God's called us to 
growing from glory to glory, not experiencing the slow fade that can happen, that one day manifests itself in feeling burnt out. So I want to pray now. And, and I've come here today, and I, and, I, and, and, I, and I really wanted to share that message and teach you around this concept that's much easier to understand than to do. Especially those of you type A, achievement-oriented people like me. Some of you, this has been a long year. Some of you are running out of oil. Some of you have run out of oil. Not all of you. And if you haven't, file this message as a precautionary instructive tale, even though it might not be for you right now, but for those that it is. For those of you that, that, that you're experiencing a level of burnout, my hope and prayer, and the reason I've prepared this message and my prayer all week, my prayer while I was watering my veggies this morning, is that today would be the beginning of a turnaround. Now, now, here's the deal. God can do anything. It's, it's, it's it, okay. That was, that was Louise's phone, and I'm not saying that to throw her under the bus. It's probably someone calling to wish one of the wogs, calling to wish me a happy birthday. Ma, uh, Louisa, I've been to phone Mark all day. He not answered the phone. So I call you. Uh, he's a little busy right now. Tell him I'm busy. Tell him I'm nearly done. But, Or it could have been my parents. We've invited them for lunch at 1 o'clock, but we say 1 and they turn up at 10.30 because they're retired, you know, and they're coming for dinner <laughs> at 1 o'clock. Oh, great, just in time for dinner. <laughs> Tell them dinner will be served at 1. would be fine. Um... Oh, that really changed the mood, didn't it, eh? <laughs> it swung it, all right? I'm going to start swinging in a minute. Um, okay, listen, th- this, is, this, is the, this is the deal. Um, God can do anything. He can, change, he, can, he can change things in an instant. And I don't, I, I don't know if I've got the faith for that, so I might not be praying for that for you if you're feeling a level of burnout. What I'm going to pray, and, and, and what I hope you've got at least a level of faith is that today can be the beginning of a turnaround. Because often the burnout is over a period of time, and it might be that the turnaround has to happen over a period of time as well. That you have to actually reorient some stuff, change some stuff. But what I want, what I'm going to pray for those that want to be part of this prayer, that need this prayer, is that today would be the beginning of the turnaround. Okay? Today would be the beginning of the refueling of the oil. Today would be the beginning of the lamp getting brighter again rather than getting dimmer again. I'm going to pray that if that's you today. And it might, you might be in that place because of stupid decisions you've made. Okay, well, it is what it is. I'm not going to judge you. I'm going to respect you if, if you say, God, yeah, that is me, idiot. Uh, but today I'm going to put myself in front of you and say, help me see things in the way you see them. I'm going to pray for you. Some of you, oh, that's the thing. Burnout. I don't even have the energy. I don't even know if I want to turn around. I get it. Maybe that's going to be the prayer for you, that today is even just that motivation turns around. So real simple and real quick. For those of you that want me to pray for you and others of us around you to pray with me, 
because we want to fan each other's flame. How about you just stand up if you've got the energy? It's only half joke. How about you stand up? You say, that's me. Tough year, a lot of circumstances. Lamps growing dim. Haven't been seeing things in the right light. Let us pray for you. Let us pray for you. Awesome. And uh, if you know the person around you, maybe you can just gently put your hand on them. If you don't, don't. It'll get weird. This is a real serious business, by the way. Like real, it's not like it's not like a funeral, but it's like it's serious. You get it? So let's really join our faith together right now. I want this day to not just be known as Mark's birthday but as a turnaround day for those standing, that they will look back and, and remember this day on their calendar for whatever it is that God's about to do. Father, uh, I see the people standing, God, and they're people that we love and you love. And uh, we're not judging them. In fact, the opposite. This is massive respect to every one of them that's standing. Huge props because they want your best and don't want to live at anything less than your best. And they're standing, presenting themselves, saying, God, some things need to change. And they're changing today, starting today. So God, I pray for every single one of them. We don't know all their circumstances. You do. We don't know how dim the lamps got. You do. We don't know what things need to change. You do. We don't know how much courage and bravery and strength they're going to need, but you do. Some of them don't even have the strength to offer it to you to begin the turnaround. But God, you can work with that because you work with broken things and you put them back together. So for every single person standing, God, we pray that today is an incredibly important day in their history, that today is a turnaround day, that today the slow fade stops. The slow fade stops and that from this day the light starts to get progressively brighter God I pray for the people around them in their worlds that they'll be more committed than ever to fan their flame that 2016 for the people standing, will be a year of fresh energy, fresh vision, fresh passion, fresh clarity, seeing things in the right light, seeing the things they need to say yes to next year and the stuff they need to say no to next year, the pace they're meant to run at next year and not the pace they're meant to run at next year. Fresh, fresh hope, in all of this, we pray and thank you that you hear our prayers and respond to our faith in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys grab a seat. Well done. Let me ask one more question. Uh, it, I'm finished with this. It's a question of whether you are ready to follow Jesus. And it's a question we ask pretty much every week. And it's the most important question we ask every week. If you haven't ever said yes to following Jesus, we want to give you that opportunity in a moment. And we're going to make it real simple. 
Jesus was deep and he was simple. Jesus was God and he was accessible. It's the genius of Jesus. So right now, Jesus gives you the opportunity to say, yes, I want to start following you. You don't have to get everything perfect. That was the old system. It was broken, Jesus. Change that. Come to him. Jesus, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to follow you. I want to put my trust in you. If you've never said yes to that question, are you ready to do that today? If you are, just put your hand up real quickly. When I see your hand, you put it down. You're saying, God, that's me. I want to start following you today. I want to have a relationship with you today. I want to put my trust in you today. I, I, I'm not perfect, I, 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 but I want to follow you today. Put your hand up. When I see your hand, you can put it down, and then we'll pray real quickly.